0: OCD is the wrong order. Shh. It should be CDO. I know. Shh. Does yeah. that bother you? Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Melissa Kirscher and Wendy Bolesby.
1: Dear listeners, to Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome, I am Melissa, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Wendy, and we are here once again with Cedius the Scotch Bringer. Hello! And he has been bringing us scotch. We've already recorded one episode. Our tongues are a little
2: loose. Yeah. <laughs> and hey, I think I'm deeper in the cups than they are, so this could be fun for yes. everyone. You might
0: be my second sleepover.
2: <laughs> well, here's the thing. Because it's scotch, and I've been drinking so much scotch for so long now, I've kind of developed a specific... I mean. My 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 constitution sucks, but I do have a bonus to my saving throw against alcohol, and I have an additional bonus if it's scotch.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Good for you. Good. For but
2: you. I do need to pour you some because yes. I've yes. had like three or four, and you guys have had two, so we need to catch up. Uh, here, here, here here's that avarlor we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So, so but these listeners may not know what you mean by so, that. So okay, so the last time we we did an episode here, I I. Poured them some Macallan eighteen year, and I threatened them with some Jura sixteen year and some Aberlour sixteen year. And I, I poured them some Jura mid episode and didn't talk about it. This is the Aberlour.
1: Yeah, the Aberlour is. This lovely. is
2: what I started with on the last episode because I cheated and <laughs> caught up with them eventually later, and so mm-hmm. I had as many as they had plus now I'm one more ahead of them.
1: This what? is my second Aberlour because I poured myself an Aberlour at the middle of the
2: previous episode. Are you okay. sure? Smelling? Because that was Jura I gave you. Not
1: no, that. I grabbed the Aberlour.
2: Okay, well then Melissa's ninja skills. What am I
1: smelling? Argue. What am I smelling? Um,
2: sneaky. Um, well, I have to smell the Aberlour. It's, it's a, it's a, a, it's, a, it's
1: like a little bit of smokiness over the, uh, over the Macallan. It yeah, it, there's a, there's a, it is it, smokier. It's not super smoky. It's, it's like a. It's a smoky.
0: But there's a like, flavor like, like it's reminding me of... like Well, like well this. This,
2: this, this, like the McAllen, is sherry-finished. So yeah. you might be getting some sweetness, some, like, coffee notes. Yeah, it's notes. sweet.
0: It's it reminds sweet. me it's of... Got, a, got, yes, it's chocolatey. There's a... It, it reminds me it, of... It, there's it, a,
1: it's a it's buttery. A Heath there's a butteriness to it. There.
2: It's like a Heath or a Swarbar.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It reminds me of Balveny. It does. See,
2: see I, I don't see any reason why you need to insult the Aberlore that way. I, I, I know. Okay. This is much okay. nicer than Baldy, This has but got a
0: lot less me. fire in my mouth than the Macallan.
2: Yes, this is true. Mm-hmm. It's a it's, lot.
0: So it just it, rolls it, it, on back without yes. really b- making... It, it's just like, hello, I'm just going to... Don't mind me. That's what it's doing in my mouth. Don't mind me.
2: The the, 12-year, the adequate. The 16-year, kind of awesome.
1: It is very nice. Yeah, I, I very is.
2: much love the Aberlure 16.
1: Smooth. Mm,
0: it's got a good mouthfeel. I mean, you don't really think about whiskey, like Scotch, having a mouthfeel, but this has got <clears throat> it's got a mouthfeel on it. I like yeah. it. Yeah.
2: No, I, and, mm-hmm. and and that is something we comment on on uh, my my podcast, which is the Extreme Tasting League Scotch at Scotch. Uh, thank you for the segue. You're um, welcome. No, the, the, the Aberlore... I honestly like the Aberlour 16 over the Macallan 18, which is considerably cheaper than the Macallan 18. Yes. Um, if you get a, a pour of the Macallan 18 in a bar, you're probably going to be paying like thirty bucks for the pour. Mm-hmm. It, it it's very it's very expensive.
1: Yeah, Macallan the, has become extremely
2: expensive. The average price that I have seen the Macallan 18 bottle in liquor stores is probably between 180 and 240 dollars. So hey. the Aberlour 16, on the other hand is under 75. So what are you
0: offering us to drink? That's my question. Because <laughs> brought that.
1: We, we should be talking about our topic. Melissa. We should. Tell us what's going on here. Our topic is the year of 1987. A stellar year in filmmaking. Cedius said, I
0: want to just talk about one year and the movies that happened then. And Melissa and I were like, that's
1: a great idea. Yeah, because and because he said 1987 right off the bat and it's like, "Yes, that is a great."
2: Well, is I, mean, a- I mean, every everybody pimps 1982 was this phenomenal year for it America. was. And, 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 it, and is. it was. It was. It is. But I argue that as a connoisseur of someone who's not a movie geek per se in terms of the I can analyze the cinematography or this director or blah blah blah, just Totally enjoyable. I can lose myself in these films and just rock out and just kind of relax and chill. Just in terms of eighty-seven quantity. Not not to mention, there's a whole lot of genre films as a sci-fi mm-hmm. fantasy nerd. 87 is kind of a really hot year.
0: Okay, and, and listeners, and, CDS brought yeah. a list that I am not joking probably includes 30 films and And then Melissa added another probably 15.
1: Yeah, it's true. Because Um, I was 12 in 1987, which means 1987, this stellar year in film, happened like at a sweet spot. Oh, yeah. You know, my, my turning into the teenage Melissa, you know, I was already turned on to film because 1982 also happened under my watch. Right. so
2: that was pretty sweet E.T. is my first movie memory I was four at the time oh jeez so. did it
0: terrify you because it terrified my husband
2: no <laughs> Return of the Jedi had some scenes that terrified me the year later, but...
0: Isn't that funny how movie affects us mm-hmm. all differently? But the point is, listeners, yeah. I referenced tedious List to tell you that this is by no means all of the movies we could have talked about, but there are seriously about 40 to 45 films on this list in terms of just, holy shit, all of these movies happened in this one year.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It was like an awesome bomb was yeah. dropped. Yeah. Boom! Yeah. <laughs> And this is what happened in theaters that year.
2: Now the funny thing is, and I'm gonna start the list by my naming what was number one at the box office because it's kind of an outlier and it's weird. It's it's not a genre film. It is something I've seen a number of times because we happened to to record it off of TV or on a video. I don't remember, but we had it on a VHS. The number one at the box office in nineteen eighty seven was Three Men and a Baby.
1: Of course it was. <laughs> <laughs> of course it was. Well, because,
2: you
0: know, Ted Steve, Danson. G- Steve Gutenberg, Steve, Steve Guttenberg, Tom Selleck. And Tom, F- Magnum fucking P.I. Right. Yeah.
2: And, that, and that was my tie-in, was, okay, it's Magnum P.I., I will watch this. Steve Gutenberg, okay, I'm a short-circuit fan. I, I, I did enjoy what? that. It's
0: kind of, okay, approach it from the time it was made. Yeah. It was sort of delightful to see men in, I mean, you have to remember. Oh, yeah. Do we all remember fucking Mr. Mom? I remember Mr. Mom because it was a revelation that Michael Keaton might actually be a caregiver to his children. Yeah, because yeah, and that was played for
1: comedy. So, dear listeners, if you're younger than us and don't remember this, no, really, seriously, 1980s, we were still kind of coming to terms with the gender roles, yeah, in in that sense.
0: And so, three men and a baby from our more. Modern perspective is kind of horrifying and sort of... It's
2: a comedic premise in and of itself that three men would be caring for a child.
0: What? Right. Three men can't handle a baby. They don't know what they're doing.
2: And they play that up heavily in the movie in the beginning where they're trying to figure out how the hell do we deal with it. Like, the first time they have to change the child's diaper, they undo the thing and they're like, whoa. Mm-hmm. And I'm like gesturing big and like doing the whole stand back and throwing my arms in the air. Going, uh, what
0: the No, fuck is we that? can't poop. Nobody can handle poop, and it's just so condescending. Yeah, it really is, especially having watched my husband with our daughter. Mm-hmm. What the hell? Why would you think that men can't don't have any competencies around children? But okay, the reality is that we are feminists on this podcast, so I can't help but talk a little bit about. I don't know how this movie plays now. Right. But and at the, the time it was super charming.
1: It it really was. And and part of what made it work was the fact that there was this cast of three very eligible uh bachelor men looking guys, you know, cuz you had Tom Selleck, you had Ted Danson who was really hot from Cheers cuz Cheers had started in 1982. It's a, yep. so it had been in uh, on tv for five years at this point so ted danson was uh well established and uh you know steve gutenberg whose star was you know still on the rise police
2: the academy point. and short circuit
1: yeah and th- so all these really three hot male box office commodities um and look how yeah. they can be sensitive and charming and look how they they can be sensitive and charming and you know it's it's a light fun comedy and uh, very very watchable, and directed by Leonard Nimoy.
2: Yes, I have that note as well. I it, had not yes, known that. It's, it's yeah. Leonard Nimoy directed. Yeah. Yep.
1: Holy shit! How did I not know that? So there, you can. See, it, it, it's it's just kind of this
2: light, of humor, and, and 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 I mean, and, and the story in terms of things, it, it's it's three bachelors who are devoted bachelors who are kind of players. Yeah. I mean, they're answering machine messages. this is Peter, Michael, and Jack. We're out playing and we can't come to the phone. I mean, that's their they answering machine. They have steady
0: I mean, that, girlfriends yes. and yet you know that they are not willing to commit to them.
1: Yeah. Right. So this is their lesson to them, you know, the, the baby.
2: Selleck has a steady girlfriend. Danson is definitely a player and Gutenberg yeah. is Gutenberg. Yeah. So...
0: Fair point. Okay, now for his enjoyable as this movie is we're going to talk about everything else that came out in 1987 and you're going to go Three Men and a
2: Baby was was number one of the box office which is why I started with that because it's like a kind of WTF (laughs) (laughs) because number three at the box office was a sequel to an earlier successful movie starring Annie Murphy and it was Beverly Hills Cop 2 Ah! now I have not seen I had not I had not seen either Beverly Hills Cop movie (gasps) In preparation for this i watched them are oh, they, cool. they are awesome they oh, are so good they, they, they are tons of fun now they and, and so to, good and that's why i'm very happy that i chose 87 as a year i mm-hmm. mean we'll, we'll get to the film oh, that yeah. i specifically chose 87 for shortly but the fact that beverly hills cop 2 which i would say is the stronger of the two i mean beverly hills cop 1 was good 2 2 was awesome
1: i don't say it's stronger but i I like two more i love that it it doesn't it it, it's a sequel that does not say hey the first one made a buttload of money let's make the exact same movie again no this this is a movie that just goes straight for the gold (laughs) no the thing is because i you have to remember i'm five
0: years older than melissa so in 1987 i was 17 which means, like, when these movies first came out, I was I was seeing them in the theater. So, Beverly Hills Cop was boom it was like just an atom bomb of comedy gold
1: well actually i've seen a lot of them in the theaters too but that's another story i yeah. on the other hand had not I mean, most of these i did not see I, the but theater.
0: i'm five years older than melissa which affects my perception of them oh yeah. a little bit yeah just a little bit in terms of that especially in this era i was definitely like in that older teen sort of target market as opposed to pre-teen like wow this is great So the thing is, I will always like the first one more because the first one was that, holy shit, this is... What? My Mm -hmm. eyes are open. This is amazing. And so whenever I reference a Beverly Hills Cop sort of moment, it will always be towards one. Mm. Because I honestly don't even remember two, even though I remember that I liked it. Mm
1: -hmm. I I remember, um, was it Judge Reinhold with
2: the new fetish
0: for guns? Yes. Yes.
1: (laughs)
2: That was awesome. Uh, Well, see, I I think, here's why I think two speaks to me more than one, is because the... He like, put a banana in our windpipe. The, I mean, the, 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 the people that appear into, that I wrote down. We've got Eddie Murphy, obviously, as the star. Yeah. Judge Ryan Hold, who I am more familiar with from Gremlins, because that was the first movie I saw him in. Uh, Fast Times was later. Um,
0: whiskey in my body.
2: Don't do that. Don't do that. You're going to talk now. gonna. Who I am most familiar with from Dune.
0: Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, God, you need to see Das Boot. You totally need to see Das
2: Boot. And the segue to that is it also has Steen Stockwell, who I am yeah. familiar with from both Dune and uh, Quantum, Quantum Leap. Leap. And then um, Bridget Nielsen. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Wait, Red, Red Sonja? Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which... Also, is one of those touchstoney <laughs> movies for me. Oh. Red
0: Sonia is not good, but it's kind of just—it's
2: my brand of camp.
0: It's my brand of camp. I, it's it's, of camp. it's yeah. like fuck you. This is the movie we're making. Yeah. And also, you know who else is in Red Sonia? all Bergman. Yeah. Well,
2: also yes. I am. I know
0: Sandahl Bergman. I have a love affair with her legs because I I don't have them and her legs are worthy of
2: worship (laughs) (laughs) and and then one last person Paul Reiser is also in in and I was a big fan of Mad About You back in the day
1: 80's Paul Reiser is really he's kind of adorable he really is also sleazy and alien and
2: he's perfectly sleazy and and one last person it was the first film appearance of Chris Rock No shit. Hmm. He plays a valet for all of about 30 seconds where he has to park the uh, cement mixer, the Judge Reinhold. (laughs) When they show up at Hef's mansion.
1: Oh, nice. wonderful. Wonderful.
2: So that that was brilliant. All
1: right. You put um, a banana in my What was number pie? two that year?
2: I them? did not write down what was number two. Okay, I did okay. write down what was number four, what, however. What, what's number four? Number four is Good Morning Vietnam! Vietnam! Uh, of no, course, Robin Williams yeah. and Forrest Whitaker. Um, it was it was probably the first film I saw with Forrest Whitaker. I don't know that it was the first Robin Williams I saw. I might have seen Popeye before I saw Good Morning
1: Vietnam. <laughs> oh. I am
2: what I am. Um, <laughs>
1: I'm not...
0: Okay, I know my button up listeners, I'm sorry. I know you've heard me also admit it. Popeye does nothing for me.
2: Oh, that. That's oh, okay. no, it's a horrible it, it, movie. It, it, but
0: it, it be, is, but be, be, it's because because a wonderful, horrible,
1: glorious here, movie. Here's my
2: thing. You'll find that much of the movies that I am familiar with or, or have love for are the camp or the just... Fatal messed up movies. And, and Popeye is definitely... One of okay. What was number two? Fatal, Fatal Attraction, Attraction was number oh, two. Oh, Fatal Attraction. But, but, it,
1: but we'll get to
2: that. We'll, well, 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 yeah, well, so we'll, we'll get to that after... Is good that on the list? One. It no. is. Well, Fatal Attraction was something I was going to bring up. I didn't remember where in the list it was, but it's number two apparently. Yeah. So anyway. So Good Morning Vietnam, yeah. uh, basically it's Robin Williams playing a, a um, Vietnam DJ who had come in from Crete um, who... As far as the military person who was in charge of the facility where the radio station was didn't think Robin was ta- Robin's character was taking it seriously, um, but I love what he did with things. I mean he oh, he yeah. completely cut up and tore up an interview with Richard Nixon, which made it completely hilarious. I mean it was probably the first irreverent comedy aspect piece that I ever saw, and something that I have not yet mentioned. Uh, I didn't mention in the first episode. Um, I. Was given the honor of being the president of the board of directors for Fearless Comedy Productions, which is the local theater company to which Wendy is also a member of the board. And so, comedy is something that really speaks to me, and and probably one of the first movies that that, that made me have an interest in comedy and like the number of things comedy could do. I mean, I'd seen stand up, I'd seen like slapsticky type comedy, but Good Morning Vietnam was probably the first time I saw that level of like taking something completely serious and making a joke out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, satire was something I was familiar with, but to, like, cut up the interview and make it, and take something completely out of context to make it funny, I'd never seen done before. And that Richard, was brilliant.
0: What was, Richard Pryor, was it live at the Hollywood Bowl? What was, oh, I, I, I'm on the Sunset.
2: I, live on the Sunset. I have the album. I have yeah. the complete Richard Pryor. Yeah. Um, but that was something okay. I didn't get until way later. Because I mean, that is that's a master class in comedy. I might have mentioned earlier that my mom was a little on the conservative side and liked to shelter me from things. So <laughs> there was a number of things I didn't get into until I was much much older, or I had to sneak at friends' houses. I, I wasn't allowed to watch GI Joe as a kid either. I know I mentioned the He Man and like the Mystic stuff in the last episode. But I couldn't watch Thundercats. I, there was a whole lot of stuff I couldn't <laughs> Thundercats. watch. Thundercats. It was it was Mystic.
1: no Thundercats for you. Thundercats. Yeah.
2: Oh! Shitara. Oh, yeah. so, so let's move let's so, really it back in. So, I skipped number two, which apparently was Fatal Attraction, which yeah. the reason I skipped, ladies and gentlemen, was that I tried watching that in preparation for this podcast.
0: And you stopped right before it got good.
2: Apparently. Yeah. I watched the first 40 minutes of it, trying really hard to be interested, and I just couldn't be. Now, some of that is that I have some personal... I am not a big Glenn Close fan. I've never understood Glenn Close. I mean, yes, she's an accomplished actress. I don't find her attractive. Apparently, she's supposed to be attractive in this. Whatever, Michael Douglas. I preferred Kirk Douglas. I mean, I, I Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea was also, a big fan of my Spartacus. I, I, so, Michael, so Michael
0: Douglas uh, Michael is Douglas. a cheating husband. So yeah. your central He's, protagonist is somebody not, actually unlikable. Yeah, neither right.
1: of them are very likable. No, but but the thing the thing about Fatal Attraction is that um, it was directed by Adrian Lynn, who was um, a really remarkable director, and he you know honestly i don't know where his career went after the 80s but he did he also did something called jacob's ladder which is yes. oh, I'm, I'm a big fan of me. love that yes. so so the movies that he made in the 80s were these amazing stylistic Thriller rides and they looked beautiful and they good stuff and yeah. and the thing about Fatal Attraction is once you get past that torrid love affair part yeah I, which was I just which, watched the
2: setup yeah. I didn't watch the the movie yeah once
1: once it gets into Crazy Town it, right it really takes and I up.
2: stopped just as Crazy Town was starting I, I yeah. to for those of you familiar with the film I stopped just after the she slid her wrist scene
1: mm-hmm.
0: well, and
2: I and, well I, and I and I and I read the okay. wiki and yes I stopped just as it was as it was about to get entertaining. what I yeah. like
0: about it is I'm not saying it's a good feminist film no
1: it's not but it's
0: but there are some feminist ideas that are buried in it yes mm-hmm. that the idea that this man who is married who had an affair with her and now wants to just go back to his life and pretend everything's okay and when she's like wait we you, you I thought we were starting a relationship but he's like no I don't want that and her, while her reaction is psychotic and overblown, there is a point there of, I'm a person too. Yeah. There's an no agency, agency there. Yeah. I have some agency here too. There's a famous line she says, I won't be ignored. Yeah. yeah. And for as much as then it goes off the rails into sort of, you know, ins- but, sort of but 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 the wife then gets feminist. the wife
2: takes the agency from Alex though at that point. And, She's
0: yeah. a little bit too much of the I'm the good wife who then makes everything okay. And yes, it's, it's a little yeah. bit of, but, unless you've seen but the, the but alternate the,
2: ending. But but the,
1: but the thing different. is the the the, the the thing about Fatal Attraction is it it's this really slick movie package, so it's not something you're you're going to get a whole lot of depth out of. Yeah, I, I quit uh, too the, soon. The, the 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 allure of it back in 1987 was that the sex was really pretty raw in yeah. comparison to what you usually saw in which might like that be
2: era. it might be that and, I'm taking it out of context being since I just tried to watch right. that this year. I didn't right. get that out yeah, of it. Yeah, the and, sex
0: and the, scenes were pretty, like, woo, Stevie. Yeah,
1: like, wow. And and the violence was also pretty hardcore yeah. back then for a mainstream movie. So it made a lot of and bang. And
0: it was that whole, it was a new sort of thing, a, a new thing that the terrifying lover of, like... Uh, hey dudes, maybe you should reconsider just sleeping around because what if what if the girl goes total fatal attraction on you because mm-hmm. because she's not just your fucking sex toy and maybe she has some idea about what should be happening here too and you don't just get to walk away. Right. Which, for all that it goes completely off the rails into psychotown, that character does have a point.
1: Right. Yeah. They're- it's it's an interesting film from that perspective, and I mean. You know, when we started talking about Mr. Mom, there's a lot of the gender politics that are coming in in the latter half of the eighties that comes up in the and it, the films of the As era. films are starting to try to
0: like come to terms with wait, if women are truly equal, then what does that mean?
2: Yeah. The the other member of the top ten uh, at the box office that I am going to mention, although I I do have number ten as well, number nine was Lethal Weapon.
0: <laughs>
2: okay. Which you- again I'm, I'm.
0: I feel like this movie redefined the buddy cop genre. It yeah. really.
2: Did,
0: it was. It was. It sort of exploded. This is the movie everybody had seen Mad Max, and the, you know, well, I sh- to clarify. No, not everybody, but there had been a certain subsection of the populace who were like, ooh, Mad Max. They know who Mel mm-hmm. Gibson
2: is? Ooh, who's
0: yeah. Mel Gibson? This is the movie that went Mel fucking Gibson. By the oh. way, he's a fucking star. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With his magnificent mullet and his bare ass, because he had a bare ass. He did have league. a bare ass. Yep. Oh, and it was a fine bare ass. And
1: uh, Richard Donner directed that, didn't he? Yes, yes, yeah. So um I'm getting too tre- old for this shit, man. Yeah, tremendously skillful film. Uh, really fun, good action pacing, T- oh. tight pacing. It was kind of this, this and it really.
0: Brilliant- is- Tragic core, because yeah. what you what gets lost in the later films is that Riggs's wife died. Part of why he is a, quote, lethal weapon is he's he's kind of on the edge of maybe being a little psychotic.
2: M- mild death wish, maybe.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't have anything left to lose, so he's like, well, I'm trying to do my job as a cop, and it might put me in danger, and maybe I don't care.
1: Mm-hmm. It, w- it was a really remarkable star turn. And I think this was about where my mom started her Mel Gibson fascination in the 80s. I remember that very well. Um, a lot of people had a
0: Mel Gibson yeah. thing.
1: Yeah. He, he was, was rocking that mullet thing. And his blue eyes were seriously that and, blue. And, and dear, dear listeners, if you're not as old as we are, um, mullets actually used to be kind of hot. Seriously Literally. you could because they were the hair
0: yeah what and it was so luxurious <laughs> yeah. and you could just picture yourself sort of digging your fingers in and grabbing a handful to sort of guide where the head went. I never mechanism. rocked the mullet,
2: but my brother did, and he, he got some attention that it's I did some not.
0: Stu- it's a steering mechanism. Like, that back there is something to hang on to.
1: And, and you can almost imagine that Bollywood thing with the little bit of the wind guiding it's sort the hair, oh, yeah. the flittering, it's kind of like in a Duran Duran video, and, oh, they were rocking that mullet thing, oh, too. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, yeah, I had a mullet. I should dig
0: out my freshman. Oh my god, you had a mullet! I should dig out my freshman high school picture. Whoa! I I rocked a mullet my freshman year wow. in high school. Wow.
1: I wow.
2: My wow. brother did both the mullet and the tail at one.
1: Point. <laughs> oh so, yeah. wow! I did a tail. I did a tail. See, I had a seventies hairdo in the eighties, so. And uh, I love you so much. I you know. I had I had the crystal gale hair, the the thigh length straight, you know, down the back hair. That's
0: I wanted I that really. hair. This was never gonna happen for me. Yeah. Never gonna happen. <laughs> anyway, so lethal weapon. Yeah. Okay, already. So we've talked about all these amazing
1: films that all happen in the same year and and and, and launching off of Lethal Weapon, I just wanted to give a brief shout out to Stakeout with Emilio Estevez. Yes. And uh, and Richard Dreyfuss, now, which was is another this, great Body Cop movie. Is this 1987 short. though? This was 1987 really? because it is in the top ten for that year. Okay, Are you why? Sure? It, yes, it is. It why is. Why I off love, mojo.
0: Why I love this movie.
1: Okay, it is. Yeah, is
0: it's a stakeout, and so you have Richard Dreyfuss and Emilio Estevez sitting in a car for an extended period of time,
1: and the two actors are improvising questions to each other to entertain each other. As they were waiting for shots to be set up, they would just sort of
0: play What's That Quote From, which is a game that geeks always Mm -hmm. play. And then eventually, because they were just sort of playing this to kill time while they were waiting for the next shot to be set up, they eventually started filming it to just add into the movie because... When you're on a stakeout, you're just sort of- Killing time, yeah. You're killing time. And one of my favorite moments in the movie is one where Emilio Estevez, they're playing, what's that quote from? And Emilio Estevez turns to fucking Richard Dreyfuss and says, we're going to need a bigger boat. (laughs) And Richard Dreyfuss looks at him and is like, I don't know what that's from. (laughs) That is awesome. And that is why I know and love Stakeout for that yeah.
1: singular moment of just. It, it, <laughs> it, 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 it's a it's a cop it's comedy. Not, I love it. it. It's a cop comedy that um, didn't give in to the excesses of the time. Which is saying a lot. Which right? is really saying a lot. In, in the era of Miami Vice? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It w- It's a lot of fun. It's it's fairly simple. Um, if you've never seen it, I recommend looking at Richard it. Richard Dreyfus at this time was
0: a lot. Because this was sort of the goodbye girl, like that was early 80s. Well,
1: no, well that was late 70s. But was it? Yeah. yeah I that thought was, was 70s like more 81. But, but yeah, uh, Richard Dreyfus. That
0: no, might have been I'm, I'm fond of Richard Dreyfus. I am totally fond really of Richard Dreyfus. I really am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway. Anyway, um, that, that movies, was that What do you quick. got for a CD? Well,
2: I... I I'll, I'll let Melissa, since she's got the list, I, yeah. I, I want to say rounding out the top ten, number ten was Witches of Eastwick, Yay! which I am not familiar with, but Melissa oh, oh. wanted okay. to make sure it was discussed. Well, so. okay.
0: first yes. off, directed by George Miller, who is currently in the consciousness as the director of Fury Road. Yes. So there you are, you're like, fucking Mad Max, it's awesome, yeah. fucking Fury Road, it's
1: awesome, BT dubs Witches of Eastwick. Yeah. So and it was based on a John Updike novel, if I remember right. Yeah. Um and it it's kind of a hot mess. I won't say it's a perfect movie by any means. But the parts of it that are good are so so good! It's, it's a bizarre movie where you have three women in this New England town, and they're played by Michelle Pfeiffer and Cher and Gina S- Davis. No, no, is it no. Beth Susan no. Sarandon. no, Susan, Sarandon. Susan Sarandon. That's right. The, the, who's the redhead? The the the, okay. Fucking Susan Sarandon. Susan Sarandon. And then you've got, and they're um, three women who have, you know, it turns out kind of they Witchy each power they they each have a little bit of power but the thing is when they get together yeah then when the three of
0: them powers. are together and focus together on something that it that something well,
2: three is a magic number
0: yeah <laughs> but yes um, it is
1: the devil comes it's to town it's a magic number the devil the devil comes to town in the form of Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. And the four of them get together and things start happening. And also in this cast is uh, like Veronica Cartwright yes. from Alien uh in a very
2: oh, memorable scene.
1: Yes. Um, there it it's kind of this weird dark comedy. It's very dark. It's it is a hot mess. It but it it also kind of feeds into that gender politics thing that we were talking about where um they're kinda of, it's it's the male power versus the female power. Well, yeah, because and...
0: he he is empowering them on the one hand, but just so that he can take their power and use it for himself. Yeah. And when they realize that, they're kind of like, um oh, no. Fuck you. Yeah. Cause we're kind of people, bt dubs. Yeah. We're kind of people and we have our own sense of what we want
1: to do. Mm-hmm. And I would also like to say this movie has a really remarkable score by John Williams. It mm. it is a very unusual score by him. It, it actually is. Yeah, it is. It is. I think some of his most interesting work. But anyway, um, yeah, kind of a hot what, mess. But it's it's what worth I find
0: notable about it is that Michelle Pfeiffer, who is I think one of the most beautiful women to have been spawned mm-hmm. in the last century, plays somebody mousy and sort of unattractive. Yeah. And believably so, and you're like, Michelle Pfeiffer? What?
1: Hmm. But this was also at the height of Cher Powers. Oh, yeah. Like Cher is in her full main... Oh, yeah. Well, this means that
2: Cher had two movies in the top ten, because I want to say that... Because Moonstruck was also... Moonstruck was also top ten.
1: Moonstruck was also top ten in this year, and Moonstruck is fantastic. That's Cher and
2: Nick Cage. yes.
1: Yes.
0: Because Melissa's been doing Nick Cage Night.
1: Yeah, every other Wednesday, I have people over at my house, and we watch Nicolas Cage films. And we're going to watch every single goddamn Nicolas Cage film... Even though he's making them faster than we can watch them, so, seriously, there are a yeah. lot of fucking occasions. Yeah. but but we just watched Moonstruck and Moonstruck. Um, I've loved since 1987 because I saw it. I, I don't think I saw it in the theaters, but I saw it like right after it came out on video, and uh, I've loved it ever since. It it's is a smart movie. It yeah. is a smartly written movie. Um, it, it I think it won the Oscar for its script and. It, it, like, w- it was up for lots of yeah, Oscars. Yeah, it was. It was up for lots. Uh, I think Cher won her actress Oscars. Well, that's for that. the.
0: I'm pretty sure that was the year she wore her outfit. Yeah. Was I'm struck. Yeah. The, the, uh,
1: the,
0: the Bob outfit. Mackie, yeah. phantasmagoria sort of outfit. <laughs> yeah. What I because I I was there when you showed it at mm-hmm. your new Cage night, and what's interesting about. Moonstruck is there is a plot But it's a very simple plot But the point is that it's more It's a character study and it's a tone poem And it's sort of just exploring this idea of This sort of subset of that very specific culture Of New York, Italian sort of Mm -hmm. vibe And you immediately get it and love it And you just sort of accept it And every single
1: character is notable oh yeah like even if they're on the screen for five seconds it's like you get that character they're fun you're interested in them and that character serves a purpose yeah that character is specifically referencing the larger theme it is a wonderful script
0: it is wonderful it's an amazing script it's got Olympia Olympia Dukakis yeah it's got and um, Danny Aiello yes and oh what's the father who's having the affair (laughs) oh god what's his
1: name oh crud i'm gonna to have to look it he up he did all those movies yeah, at that time yeah and um oh who else you know it's it's all it's also
2: good it's also good well while you guys are looking that up yeah i'm, I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna start the segue into the next movie since we've yes, got so yes please cover. do um since you're covering nick cage the other 87 movie of nick cage is raising arizona
0: <laughs> seriously this man made a fuck ton of movies
1: Yes. And Raising Arizona is an absolute delight.
0: Oh, that is one of my favorite Coen Brothers films. I know people will always go to the Big Lebowski. Hustle for Proxy
2: is my favorite. They will always
0: go to Fargo, but... Racing Arizona and Hudsucker Proxy. I, I tend to like the lighter ones.
1: Vincent Gardinia is the guy who we we're trying to think of. Thank you. Thank okay. You, so anyway, yeah, uh, Racing Arizona. So um, I'm I'm in love with the Coen brothers, not just because they're from our home state, uh, but because they make really delightful films.
0: And Oh, and it's got Nicolas Cage and Holly Hunter. Holly Hunter is so great. <laughs> and John Goodman. And... One of my favorite scenes is honestly, when she's like ranting about something, they're driving and he's like, they had just tried to stick up a convenience store just to get diapers for the Uh baby they had stolen, but they had failed. And she's driving. She's like, oh, this was a mistake. What the fuck? Ah, And he's like, you're right, baby. You're right. Take a right. And she just unthinkingly follows his direction. Yes, honey. Yes, honey, honey. Take a left and then finally he's like uh-huh uh-huh and he opens the door leans out and picks up the diapers that he dropped
1: yes. earlier <laughs> and I, love, I just love that scene and I, I love Nicolas Cage's performance because it's a movie that uses his weirdness really well he has this wonderful kinda awkward um, almost mouth breather vibe to that character and he plays it so well Also, Holly
0: Hunter is a very specific actress, Mm -hmm. and this is a role she is perfectly suited for. Mm -hmm. She's because she's sort of stiff, but the stiffness really, really works, and she's sort of rigid, but it really works for what's going on here, and you can believe that she fell in love with this man at the same time she's like, what the fuck am I doing?
1: So, leading from the tangent of Holly Hunter, we've got broadcast news in this year as well. 1987 was also broadcast news. Nudes? nudes? nudes. <laughs> broadcast news? Tell me more.
0: That's lady. the porn parody. Ah, which had her with um, um, William Hurt and, and Albert Brooks. And Albert Brooks. It's a it, it's a
1: love triangle. It's a comedy. It's very Jewish. It's very Woody Allen. <laughs> it is very Woody Allen, but it's more Albert Brooks, which is also very Jewish. Um, but it's a delightful comedy, and I really liked the The,
0: the commentaries. I really liked the commentary on style over substance in the yeah. news that we receive. Yeah. I really did like that
1: it's it's a newsroom drama so it well not a drama it's a newsroom comedy so holly hunter is um producer, a, produ- a tv producer for a news show And uh, Albert Brooks is one of her news people. And then they bring in this new slicker, newer news guy. Well, Albert
0: Brooks is a field reporter. Oh, that's right. That's right. He is super great when he's in like war zones. Yeah. Right. And they bring in a very slick, very handsome person who is going to be probably groomed to replace their main anchor, their Walter Cronkite type, who is yeah. played by
1: Oh God, I can't remember. I think it's Jack Nicholson. Is it? Oh, I yeah. have. It's been so long since I've seen it. I'm going to look movie. that up and double but check. It, but, but anyway, it's um, it's the love triangle between her and Albert Brooks and William Hurt and it's a very smartly written script. It's very snappy. It's very oh, yeah. sharp. And there's um, some really great performances
2: in it. It's really good stuff.
0: But the point is, we need to move faster
1: because this is a fucking... Yeah, Yeah, this is going... So so I
2: I, I want to segue into what made me choose 87 in the first place. Yes. Go for it. And like I said, it's it's the fun genre films. And if you're looking at fun genre films in 1987, you have to start with The Princess Bride.
1: Yes.
0: Yes. The movie that should not have worked and yet did. Yeah, yeah. That, that is such a strange film. I had read the book first, and when I found out they were making a movie, I'm like, there's no way that's going to be good. There's mm-hmm. there's no way. And then they made it good. I'm like, how did you do that?
2: <laughs> See, I, I didn't find the book until afterwards. And so looking at it, I'm going, oh, that's brilliant. They took all the parts where he said, oh, well, dad skipped, or granddad skipped all of this stuff. And so basically it's the story as told. Skipping all of the political commentary, you know, suggested exists in the book because we never actually see it in the book either. But yeah, it, 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 it's a very brilliant adaptation of what the book was, considering the book came first. You know, and now looking back at it, but yeah, he, he he's right. I mean, the 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 oh God, what uh, Peter Falk, granddad, and yeah. and telling. The, the Fred Savage grass. Oh, this book's got everything. It's got fighting. It's got pirates. It's got kissing. It's got... You know, it really does have everything. It's just like... There's, there's nothing in that... Mo- I can't... I don't personally know anyone who doesn't like The Princess Bride. There's I something in it for you.
0: I I, I do know a person who doesn't like
2: it. Okay. Yeah, I do know people who don't like it, but...
1: Really? I do. I do. And you friends with them. Yeah. But the thing that... That really impresses me about Princess Bride is that usually, at least in the 80s when you did a fantasy film, you went epic, you went big, you went fantastical. And Princess Bride really brings it down. Yeah. It, it's well, it's very tiny film. It has a small cast. They they play for um, the comedy they, and not for the they, epic feel. Not just that, but it's you can tell everything's done in the soundstage. Um, the, because it's a it, story. The, the music, the music is very small. It's not done by an orchestra. It's um, like just a guitar. It, yeah, or it's, it's a,
2: not Alan Parsons' project. No, no. Shh. I like Lady Hawk. So well, okay. was- I
0: love Lady Hawk and that score really doesn't work. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but uh, wasn't it done by wasn't um, Princess Bride done by Mark Knopfler yes. of uh, Dire Straits? I'm pretty sure I that's think so. true. Yeah. But it's, it's my very love small.
0: is like a storybook story. Story. But it's as real as the feelings I
1: feel. It's a terrible song. But the score itself is very small. The melody is pleasant. Don't listen to the words. The sets are very small, and it's very simply done.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's... Yeah, it's a fairy tale, and yeah. it's told in the sense of a true fairy tale where here's the two people, they walk into the woods, they meet this person, this is what happens. It's very yeah. contained, because the true original Grimm's fairy tales are actually quite contained. Mm-hmm. They're they're You know, you get the sense of this was a European fairy tale about some tiny little country that actually was only about 100 acres, and by country we mean like the lord in his manner because that's really the reality of medieval Europe mm-hmm. so I I don't understand people who don't love the princess bride you you say that and I'm really trying to wrap my head around right it there's some
1: gender politics going on here.
0: oh like, shut I your know, format, mouth! whatever and I'm a rabid feminist and I'm still know, like just just deal with it I once got to touch Mandy Patinkin <laughs> All right. So anyway, okay, 1987. So, 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 okay, so, next.
2: So the next big genre film for me in 1987, Lost Boys.
0: <laughs> I know, right? I mean,
2: it, it's got the Corys. It's got Kiefer Sutherland. See, it's got Alex Winter. It's
0: got the 80th of 80s.
2: It is the 80th of 80s.
1: Yeah. See, by that time, it's sexually imprinted on uh, Corey Feldman, unfortunately. Oh,
0: dear. Uh, I know. I know. it explains so much. I know. It's no. okay. It's okay. He was there. Was a weird sort of sexuality there. I'm not judging you at all. Well, he had the
1: mullet. You know, he did. He did. He had that luxurious road. hair, and uh, and then he did dream little dream, and it's kind of went away. Um, <laughs> It's a weird movie. <laughs> yes, yes. There is. are a lot of things oh,
2: to oh, say. Oh, about no, the movie. No, my idea was to cash the Aberlore, so by all means, mm, kill the We're cashing
1: the Abralore. Orv- Let us drink while we talk about Lost
2: Voice. I I can toast the Cashing the Abralore.
1: Let, let's talk about the Did Lost Voice. Did you want a little Boys. bit more?
0: I can give you a little bit more.
2: All right. Lost oh, Boys. there's not
0: a lot. There's oh! not a
2: lot. Oh, oh there, there, there's just enough to toast. To the Abralore.
0: To the Abralore. To the Abralore. Boom, boom, boom. Yep.
2: Mmm. Mm. Mm that is good stuff
1: I may have taken the majority of that because I'm a jerk you are a jerk well no actually I had like
2: a lot of that I I had a fair piece too I'm good I shouldn't have had more Mm -hmm. I had more ladies and gentlemen
0: this is probably as much as I need Mm. I, pro- I may not stop, but I'm just saying. Anyway.
1: So, so let's talk about the Lust
0: Boys. Well, we don't right? need... I feel like people fucking know... Oh,
2: no, Lust Boys. <laughs> not Lust Boys. I saw where you went with that. Lost Lust Boys.
0: <laughs> not the Lust Boys. The, that's boy the Lust, Lust... That's the horned It barrier. had Kiefer Sutherland. I mean, and Jason Patrick, who was hot. Eh, was but right. he was sort of hot in that good boy way, which we we're like, well, you're kind of attractive. But honestly...
1: Keeper Sutherland, mm, yeah, yes. with is torture. room.
2: I will say that the, the female lead in that, I I can get behind that. Jamie Gertz, yes, we mm,
1: yes.
2: in front of I, I can or... see
1: the appeal there. A...
2: Mm. She she can tell near, me where to go, and I'll go there. At,
1: near at, at that, her. just sort of. Uh... Mm. But the the thing I really liked about the Lost Boys, uh, as you know in addition to the sheer 80s-ness of it, you know, the, the lighting and the oil and the, uh, you know, the, the pretty people and the the really spectacular rock soundtrack. Uh, Cry little sister. That little sister.
0: shall not kill. Yeah.
1: Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the thing I really liked about The Lost Boys is that you kind of had the strata of age in the cast, so you had yes. like the younger teens fighting the older teens, yes, and then there were the adults that have their own storyline at top. Yes, and everybody has kind of an equal and share. And then the
0: grandfather who looks up, looks on everything from above, and it's like fucking vampires. Yeah,
1: murder.
2: yeah, I love the ending line of that movie. Oh, it was I, so beautiful. I love the sound of goddamn vampires. Yeah, like, oh he yeah, knew the entire time, and it comes out of the. You dick. It's.
0: I mean, honestly, if you're a fan of vampire films and you haven't seen The Lost Boys, just shut up and go watch it because it really is. It really is that iconic. Yeah. It, it is. It, well, at least in an in an 80s. No, sort of but way. but yeah, but that's the point is that it puts a pin in 80s vampire. Mm, true. Boop. All right. Ah. What's next? Um.
2: Uh, well, I I I think. Being a uh, resident of Minnesota, we, we can't not talk about Predator because it was the first movie that Jesse Ventura started. Yes.
0: Predator holds ah. a special place in my heart because this was a movie where I, w- I happened to be, I lived in Kansas City. I happened to be in Lincoln for like a week visiting friends because I had also spent part of my childhood in Lincoln, Nebraska. And we were visiting old family friends and we're like, hey, let's go to a drive-in. We didn't even care what was showing. The point was to go to a drive-in, right? Because you're at that age, right? right? Where you just want to go to a fucking drive-in. And we went to a drive-in in in a pickup truck. (laughs) Okay, that's awesome. So the first time I saw Predator, I had not seen any trailers for it. I didn't know what it was. (gasps) It was an Arnold Schwarzenegger flick, so it's going to be some kind of action. I don't know. It doesn't matter. And it was a bunch of, like, 15 to 17-year-olds sitting in the back of a pickup truck, at a drive-in, and Predator started, and I'm just like, okay, that would be. This awful. is kind of fucking awesome. That would yeah. be a hell
2: of an experience.
1: Oh yeah,
0: yeah. Oh my god! And I was never able to, for like a decade. I'm like, I feel like Predator wasn't that great, but when I the way I saw it was it, so it, great yeah, the that people are like, oh, yeah. it's just a B movie, and I'm like, no. I feel like it's not. And then eventually, time came to sort of. Come to my point of view of, no, the
1: Predator was fucking awesome. Well, it, it was really great seeing the Predator, Predator in the 80s just because you watched it and you knew this this was a touchstone. Mm. Like, immediately when watching it, it's like, this is iconic. This is new. This is something fresh. This is high octane. This is really, really? Great. Just delicious. Yeah.
0: I mean, and, and, even if you're just like, this is great. I don't even know if it's good, but I know it's fucking great.
2: And, and 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 to play in your drinking game, I think this was the beginning of the height of, of Schwarzenegger's powers. It it oh, starts yeah. here oh. and it
1: ends with T. Yeah. yeah.
2: That 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 stretch right there. I mean Conan was great, but Predator is where it's was was awesome and then T where know, T2, just two T two was awesome. Yeah. And that was just, I mean, okay. Commando's in there. Was in there. Commando is in there. Um Commando I
1: solid. have a love for Commando. And and also directed by John McTiernan. Yes. At the height of his power. At the height of his power. At like like the the one-two punch of Die Hard and Predator. He made so many good films. How did he go so wrong? I don't know. I don't know. But no, they, this was like the sweet spot. Okay, but seriously,
0: film. we've talked about six films and there's forty on this list. Let's just yeah, pause through yeah.
1: Support. We've been so, we've been re- uh, we've been recording. For okay, a we time. talked about that. Yeah, that, we, 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 we have done
2: all that. stuff. so Evil Dead Two, we should probably bring that.
1: Evil up. Dead Two. Okay, so I love Evil Dead the series. the The thing I love about Evil Dead Two is that um, Sam Raimi went back and said, you know, Evil Dead One was pretty good. You know, we did well. Let's do it again. Let's Let, do it better. Let's do it with a budget. Let's do it with a budget. Let's see what happens. <laughs> and it's so fun. It is and really so fun. And the thing so is, I
0: sort of love Evil Evil Dead 1 and Evil Dead 2, even though it's the same goddamn movie,
1: for different reasons. Well, the thing is, there they are different movies, even though they're the same movie. And then Evil Dead 1 is, they're totally freaking serious about their horror whereas evil dead 2 is kind of this blend of horror comedy and then evil dead 3 is their you know harry Yeah, army fawn. of darkness just
2: just is, is a laugh right it,
1: it, I mean, it is, it is oh, fun God, so I evil dead evil 2 dead is kind too. of that
2: sweet say, spot say, between the two yeah uh, another genre film robocop
1: Robocop.
0: Okay, you, oh. you're jumping, you're jumping, yes. you're jumping. Yes. no, no, no. The fucking Running Man. Well, okay. No, I'm... no, 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 no. I've got my finger on this. I need well, okay, to stop okay. that. Shh. Okay, so next we well, have...
2: Okay, well, well you're, you're, you're assuming that I have something going on. The, the, the thing with Running Man is it starred both Jesse Ventura and um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Did you see so Running Man? Amazing. I have seen Running Man. So I, I I love running
0: I Man. fucking love.
2: Running I was a big fan of Richard Dawson because uh, my my dad <laughs> used to be a huge fan of.
0: I Home thought it, that was brilliant stunt and casting. So. That is like taking stunt casting to the meta epic level of yeah. just like the rest of you need to shut up and sit down when you try to stunt cast because Richard Dawson in that movie is yeah, great.
2: Yeah, as a game show host, having having seen him host like Family Feud and and doing seeing some of his stint on Match Game, like and then seeing him host Running Man, I was like. That's, that's a meta joke. That was one of the uh, yeah. first meta joke I ever saw in a film.
0: That you were what, like, he's ro- so good. That is yeah. meta. And he delivers. Yeah. Now, if you've never read the short, the novella that it's based on, it's- It's a, a Stephen King. Yeah. It is a lot darker and it's super great. Robocop, also 1987. Yeah,
1: which is fantastic.
0: I don't feel like we should, I'm serious, I'm just plowing through this. Okay, so the, I just
1: Paul wanna, Verhoeven is awesome. Okay, great.
0: I just feel like, let us tell you, dear listeners, all the fucking movies that came out in 1987. Mm-hmm. The Living Daylights was
1: 1987.
2: So, the, so a Bond callback to, uh, our to, to our previous episode. episode.
1: Yeah, so uh, yeah, um, a rebirth of the Bond franchise.
0: Mannequin was sniping that, that that is a guilty
2: pleasure of mine. That was probably my introduction to Kim Cattrall. Yeah, she's sexy as hell. Man. Oh, I I adored her in that, and and I really loved the um, the the, the black guy character that was kind of the, the Michelle Taylor. Yes, that, that's the actor, and I I loved him in Designing Women. I I, yeah. I grew up watching that, and so that when I saw Mannequin after having seen a couple of seasons of Designing Women, it was like. Okay, I recognize that actor. And yeah, that is one of those guilty pleasure movies of mine. I, I I really dig on mannequin.
0: Planes, trains, and automobiles. Brilliant movie. Roxanne. Brilliant. Is, also brilliant. I feel I should put that on my underappreciated movies list. I yes, feel you like should. it has gotten forgotten.
2: I, yeah. I I'm a big fan of that. I, I think I probably first saw that in high school when uh we had just read Cyrano de Bergerac and I said, okay, so here's a modernization of that. And I love this, the scene in the bar where he has to do the 20 insult. And as someone who's a big fan of vilification tennis, <laughs> yes um, that scene just that, that, tickle, that tickles me in so many ways. Plus it, it's you know Steve Martin and, and, and Daryl Hannah when Well, and it's, like a
0: no, it, 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 it's a very clever adaptation. No,
2: it's a beautiful adaptation. And I mean, I like the story of Cyrano to begin with, Cyrano to begin with. But yeah, Roxanne just takes it to a whole other level for me. Um, and the bumbling fireman is just...
0: Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, God, those firemen are terrible firemen. <laughs> uh, then we got Spaceballs. Spaceballs. Mel, Mel Brooks taking on Star Wars. Open up your helmet. I always feel like you're making faces at me behind that thing. I love-
2: Why didn't you tell me my ass was this big?
1: <laughs> <They've> <laughs> Asshole. Got, yes, sir. They've gone plaid.
2: Oh, there's what? so many quotable lines from that and, one. And,
1: and, was it Daphne's nigga? Yes. Yes. Well, I knew
2: from Melrose Place.
1: With um oh God, Bill, Bill Pullman.
0: Bill, Bill Pullman, Pullman, John Bill Candy, John Candy. John Candy. Uh, Joan Rivers. Bill Pullman, this was when the era, this was in the era where they were trying to make Bill Pullman a romantic lead. Yeah. Until they finally realized that Bill Pullman is not a romantic lead. He's a comedy actor. <laughs> yeah. Don't try to make him romantic. He but does. you're
2: gonna make him the president.
0: <laughs> you know what my favorite Bill Pullman role is? It's in Sibling Rivalry with Kirstie Alley and Scott (laughs) Bakker. Oh, God. Because Bill Pullman in that is this nebbishy, useless little man. And he's hilarious. And I'm like, this is what you're good at. Don't try to make me believe I should fall in love with you. Make me believe that you're funny. All right, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, also 1987. Yeah, Arguably
2: the best of the franchise. Yes, um, Some I, really interesting stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, my, my friends over at the Horror Show Hot Dog Podcast. That's
0: Dream Warriors, right? That is
2: Dream Warriors. Yeah. Um, uh, Adam Dunn, who is now a producer of special effects in Hollywood. He worked on Superman Returns, I think. Um, that he, he will argue that that is the best film ever. Mm-hmm. Um, he he. Well, okay. Yes, I mean, I I, I get your look, Wendy. But <laughs> as, as a horror fan, he he argues that at least within the horror genre, it is one of the best films ever. It's crafted. one of it's it, 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 one
0: of my favorites.
2: It it, it it I don't disagree with him that it's probably the best of the franchise. It it's it oh, yeah. very strong. Uh, I it, mean, it, it's taking the mythology and running with it solidly. it, it it's well cast. It it's solid paced.
1: I have a fondness for the first one, but I do agree with you. Three is really
2: strong. And it, it does
1: something completely different from the first
2: one. And first. then to stick in the horror genre, uh, Hellraiser. The Hellraiser. first Hellraiser was also 87.
1: 87 for, was a
0: fucking great yeah,
1: year. Yeah, for, for as much as I'm really kind of standoffish about Clive Barker, it's like, oh, you're just trying too hard, aren't you? But Hellraiser really has a unique mythology to it.
2: Yeah. I've never
0: seen Oh, it, you should oh, see it.
2: And maybe. that was his directorial debut—the first. I know, I, mean, I know, I know, I it, know, I know.
0: It's uh it's it's a hell of a thing. Okay, I'm also going to do a four a four pack of
1: these. Also came out in 1987. And these these
2: are horrible <laughs> movies that I listen because they're just they're they're, they're special treats and just how bad they, they are.
1: They are touchstones in bad filmmaking. All four of these came out in 1987. Ishtar which isn't
0: actually bad. No, it's it just it tanked at the box office. It's not a bad film. it just failed.
2: yeah it, 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 it's cult kind of. Bad. It is
0: a
1: famous box office bomb. Yeah. Leonard part six that's bad
2: which is which is a horrible movie of Bill Cosby spoofing the action movie like spy genre mm-hmm.
0: Masters of the Universe,
2: which the is... Dolph Lundgren He-Man. <laughs> it was yeah. awesome.
1: Okay, okay. Masters of the Universe is kind of a special sort of awesome because that is part of the canon film. Oh. And and this is kind of the latter part of canon where they're just throwing anything at the screen. You can kind of sense the desperation in this movie. Oh, God. Yeah.
0: Um. And the, the last of the four-pack is...
1: Superman, Superman four.
0: Uh, I can't defend
1: any of that. No.
0: no. So let's move on. Yeah. Uh, uh, Melissa favorite
1: also came out in this year. Bad taste. Bad taste. Okay, so Peter Jackson's first movie. <laughs> okay, so I'm i v- I'm a big fan of really Peter Jackson, and Bad Taste is his first super low budget. He was cooking the special effects in his mother's oven sort of movie. It's it's, an it's alien... true. I've
0: watched it. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: It's an alien invasion movie. They blow up sheep. They
2: launch a house into the sky. A dude falls off a cliff, lands on a seagull, and it saves him.
1: It's yeah. Awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. There. In, in, this is the movie where if if you watch it, you can kind of see how Peter Jackson came to be who he was because it was made for approximately five
2: dollars. <laughs> <It was so laughs> and
1: and. It looks like all of 20, you know, it, he could stretch zero budget a really long way.
2: Yeah. I, I, I was, I was telling them, I think before we started recording that I was, was gifted the, uh, viewing pleasure of this. And Dead Alive back to back by my old uh, Gamma World GM back in the day. <laughs> Dead and, Alive is fucking brilliant. Yeah, and 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 both of them are just they they're very low budget, but they are really good for what they are. Yeah. And and they're they're incredible movies. They're they're a lot of fun to watch. Um, I I highly recommend it. I, I, Meet the Feebles is like I think the oh, one boy. immediately after that. That one mm, I'm. I'm not sure how I feel about that one. Yeah, nobody that's... knows how to feel about Meet yeah. the Feebles.
1: <laughs> but no, it, bad taste is uneven. But it, if if you can appreciate super low budget filmmaking, it is really pretty remar- remarkable for what it is.
0: Okay, so I'm going to move on to a film that has since become a classic that also came out in 1987 dirty
2: dancing <laughs> no one puts baby in the corner
0: no one puts baby in the corner with Patrick Swayze the at the height of his 80s Patrick Swayze yeah. attractiveness he did a lot of films after this where they capitalized on it but this was the movie that's like hello mm-hmm. how are you
1: doing and back when jennifer gray had her original nose and she was super cute i appreciate her original nose she was super duper cute
0: dirty dancing is it's iconic for for reasons that if you watch it go without saying also it stars cynthia rhodes who's an amazing <laughs> dancer who was in the um, rosanna video by toto she was oh my god she was yeah, I forgot about that. Okay, um, but uh, she's and she's actually quite a good little actress too. And I mean, it's for as much as this is sort of just your, uh, you know, you can ah, oh, it's just that romantic comedy. It's a period piece. It's got Jerry Orbach. Yeah. There are some serious themes about class and social social standing and rigidity yeah. going on. Yeah, it's. It's actually a really great film. It is a good movie. It's very good. Um, Full Metal Jacket was 1987.
1: Full Metal Jacket, Kubrick. And I think actually the first Kubrick I ever saw. I saw it in the theater. Ooh. At age 12. Of course you did. And that, that, yeah, a friend of mine, the the same friend of my dad's who said, hey, I want to see this movie called Jacob's Ladder. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and my dad didn't want to go, so
2: he took me. <laughs> I can't remember if this or Clockwork Orange was the first Kubrick I saw. Mm. I want to say it was probably this. And and honestly, I I I don't remember much of the once they get to Vietnam half. It it it's the the, the well bo- that's
0: the stronger half. The
2: the yeah. boot camp half I remember. I don't remember the other half so well. Yeah. Um. But you know it. You know it. Which, uh,
0: with Vincent D'Onofrio.
2: Yeah. The Adam Baldwin and uh Arlie Erman. Arlie Ermey, yeah,
1: yeah. The movie is solid overall, but the magic really happens in the first half yeah, because that that's when Arlie Ermey is discovered. Because he was a real drill sergeant yeah. that was brought in just to coach the cast, and then they said, Hey, and he improvised
2: just... half of those lines,
1: yeah, he just improvised, and you know, they, they made him part of the cast and just let him go. Uh, and beyond that, you know, he had Vincent D'Onofrio in a very early role. And, and
0: Vincent D'Onofrio, yes, yeah. oh, he's amazing. He, he really is an amazing. Is, actor. He's he's one of those actors like Marlon Brando. You're like, you're a little bit crazy, and you take a little too far. But damn, the shit you put on screen is amazing. Yeah, throw mama from the train and the Untouchables. I don't even want to talk about
1: those because I feel like everybody's seen him. Batteries. Uh, I want to say Untouchables, super fun if you haven't
2: seen it.
0: Okay.
1: Batteries Not Included was also in TV, so.
2: that was that was just this cute little corny movie and I, just,
0: oh. I,
1: I think that's where the shine started to come off of the Spielberg penny yes <laughs> oh
0: you know it's, it's everybody's cute. like oh I want to see oh what
1: it's a cute little movie. it's just it was kind of overshadowed by the fact that it was made by the dude who made ET. Yeah
0: also um, the Hume Cronin Jessica Tandy. See that wagon. I, can
1: al- I can always get behind Hume Cronin and Jessica Tandy.
0: Yeah, there was a lot to like there. I like that. all right other movies in 1987 because this was seriously are you paying attention? what the hell there was some something
1: going on in the water that year. Wall Street. Wall Street's fantastic. Wall Street really is fantastic. Yeah. Wall Street was the product of everything that was going on in the 80s.
0: If you want to know what the hell was going on in the 80s in terms of big business, watch
1: Wall Street. Yeah, yeah. the 80s was this bulwark of artifice, (laughs) honestly. Greed is good. Greed is good. For lack of a better word. And that, I mean... I'm, I would be interested to see somebody who has never seen Wall Street watch it now and because. and find out what they think because I I almost think they'd watch it and go this isn't what it was like but no really that's what the 80s were like
2: I'll, I'll, I'll get back to you on that
1: you oh know. you haven't seen it I, I, I've,
2: I've seen clips but I've never seen the whole thing in, in its entirety
1: okay so oh, Wall Street it's um, actually really that's Oliver Stone it's very Stone, good right? yeah it's yeah. Oliver Stone it's uh, it's Charlie Sheen and, and uh, 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 Martin Sheen no, no, no,
0: no, no. Martin, yes, Charlie Sheen. Martin Sheen is playing his father but, with Michael but Douglas. Michael as
1: Douglas C- as and Jordan he was Decker. Oscar nominated. Yeah, yeah, and uh, really great performances all oh, around. Yeah. Good stuff. I did a
0: college thesis on Wall Street. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I had to write a paper, and that I was like, this, this right here, what the hell? Yeah. Um, okay, other movies that also came out in 1987, Empire of the Sun, Christian Bale.
1: Yeah, really early Christian Bale, uh, directed by Steven Spielberg. Um, also, following
0: on that theme, uh, The Last Emperor with... Um, oh, I'm playing on his name again.
1: God, Peter O'Toole. <laughs> With Peter O'Toole, although Peter O'Toole wasn't the main thing about no, the no, last no, 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 not no, no, no. Last Emperor is a movie directed by Bernardo Bertolucci. It is a gorgeous movie. It's beautiful. It is one, it of, is it is a is one true of the most epic. It is one of the first movies I ever bought on DVD.
0: It is a true epic. It is beautiful in its scope. It is sweeping and it is heartbreaking. It really is that fucking good yeah if you've no. never seen the last emperor and you consider yourself a movie fan you really should watch it
1: yeah it's one of those movies where um it won best picture that year if i remember right I, it was at least
0: nominated i don't know if it won but the point is it's gotten forgotten since
1: yeah um it won nine oscars it won best picture it Won best director which is bertolucci uh it uh won best writing, it won best cinematography, it's gorgeous. Uh best art direction, best costume design, best sound, best film editing, best music. I remember this very clearly. I was watching the Oscars this year because uh the, the thing that struck me about the music was it was composed by, if I remember right, it was a Japanese man, a Chinese man, and David Byrne from The Talking Heads. <laughs> It's a a really great score, actually. It's it's fantastic.
0: Also in 1987,
1: (laughs) Inner Space. Inner Space! Oh, my God. Okay, so people have forgotten about Inner Space. So it's a goofy, fun movie.
0: It's so good. And this is where Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan met each other. Uh Uh-huh. And they were a couple for a very long time. And well, along with Martin Short. And this is Dennis Quaid at the height of his grin and
1: be charming powers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Martin Short is at the height of his powers. Yeah. It's such I mean, as they was, were.
0: This is really, like, it, right in the sweet spot of Martin Short is a comedy genius. Mm, you know what? He was pretty, he was funny. He was very
1: funny. He was funny.
0: You know who also was in this movie? Robert Picardo. Oh, my God, he I was. I love Robert Picardo. <laughs> I know. Also oh, in this God. movie was
1: Sugar Pie Honey Bunch you know that i love you okay so if you're totally unfamiliar with this movie it's it's kind of a riff on um the fantastic voyage yeah because so so you get uh martin short and you put him in a little pod and you shrink him down into no 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 no, no. dennis quaid dennis was in the pod dennis quaid oh, was that's in right. the pod that's right, and he was
0: going to be injected into a rabbit but then, like they were gonna, there was gonna be like a thief who was stealing him or something. And then the scientist like ran out, and in it, adv- and like just to keep the technology away from the bad guys or something, he has a syringe that Dennis Quaid is in, and he shoots it into a random passerby, which is Martin Short.
1: And and that's right. So so essentially, the little pod has. Like talking powers to Martin Short. Yeah, because he has to go crazy.
0: He goes and he puts a sensor on his eardrum and a sensor on his um, eyeball, uh so he can see what Martin Short is seeing, and so he can hear what Martin Short is hearing, and so he can talk to Martin Short. Mm -hmm. And Martin Short is like, "What the actual fuck?" He's like, "I'm a little man inside you," and of course, because he's only got a limited amount of air, like they have a time limit for how long he can be in there. Mm -hmm. So we have to get you out hello and so then and meg ryan is like the girlfriend that he broke up with but he's still in love with and so she's gonna help because uh, and they have to do some like corporate espionage to to resolve everything so that they can make dennis quaid big again it's just cute it's 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 a fun movie it's It's a really fun movie it's just cute yeah also, oh, 1987, seriously, there's so many good films. The Hidden, the Hidden. with Kyle McLaughlin.
1: <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, Kyle this
0: McLaughlin. is, oh, God, this is a good movie. This is, oh, it's seriously good. I can't believe you haven't seen this. Oh, I've uh, seen
2: Dune. That's, that's, well, that's well, the Kyle well, McLaughlin no. reference for me. So. See,
0: see, this
1: is different from Dune.
0: Okay, so okay, it's so also it's got, um, is it... No, it's not Chris Sarandon. Who is no, it?
1: No, no, no. I'll look it up. So you look it up. This has been seriously so long since I've seen this okay, movie. Okay, so remember it's
0: there's boring. like a big city cop. And like there's a murderer. There's murders starting to happen. And it looks like it's a serial killer. Except they're all being committed by different people. And then a random guy shows up. And he's that guy. Who's that? Oh, that guy? That guy. Which guy? That guy. Which guy? Michael Nury? Michael Nury. Thank you. Um, So, and Michael Nury is like the cop, and this other dude shows up, and he says he's from the FBI, and he's there to help them track down the killer. But he seems a little (laughs) off. But he knows about this killer. He's like, these are the things he's doing. And then then eventually, like, Michael, and finally he tells him, look, this killer is jumping from body to body. Mm -hmm. That's why you can't track him, because he is... He's not one person. So it's that- like The Fallen. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Except that eventually you find out it's aliens. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and it's so good.
1: Yeah. It, it's, it's a
0: it's cop drama great. with an alien twist. And it really is super fun. And that
1: also happened in 1987. Yeah. With Nail and I was
0: 1987. With,
1: with Nail and L is fantastic. It's um, Richard e. Grant. Richard E. Grant and... Home again. Home again. Aww. Aww. Also Windy, in 1987
0: is Adventures in
1: Babysitting. <laughs>
2: With yeah, Elizabeth Shoe. I believe I am the wrong that gender that? to appreciate this. Re- no, no,
1: no. No, no. Everybody loves in- Adventures in Babies. Seriously, everybody loves
0: it. You, you know, looking at it, exactly what's going to happen in that she is uh, babysitting these kids, even though she doesn't want to, because she was supposed to go out on a hot date, but he canceled. And then her friend is um, downtown Chicago, and her friend is like... I need you to come rescue me. And so they're driving. She's like, well, I can't leave the kids alone, so I have to bring them along. And they're heading into downtown Chicago at a point in the 80s when downtown Chicago is a genuinely scary place. Yeah. Also, I don't like Chicago Also, Vincent D'Onofrio makes a cameo. Yes, Vincent
1: D'Onofrio again. as Thor. (laughs) Thor. No, wait, he was Dawson. Dawson?
0: yeah, Yeah, but he's Thor. He's Thor. He's fucking Thor. Um, and she goes through a series of adventures that just get more and more epic as this babysitter is just like, I'm going to do whatever it takes in this situation to solve the problem and just move forward. I'm just trying to get to the bay, to the bus station to rescue my friend. That's all that's happening. But the, the adventures are fantastic and epic and so enjoyable and she, like, delivers the smackdown on her asshole ex-boyfriend. Well, now ex-boyfriend. And then she meets a new guy. And it's, yeah, it's just great. It's just satisfying stuff. Also 1987, Amazon Women in the Moon.
1: Yeah, I, which I love. Whichever. It's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a doofy comedy movie. Uh, it's an anthology movie. It's just a string of shorts. Um, I really like it. Some really great stuff in there. Prince of Darkness was 1987. Okay, so John Carpenter. I think this is... Aside from the thing, the movie that freaks me the fuck out. It's pretty fucked up. Which which I think... The thing is my
0: favorite favorite. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No no question. But But this one and...
1: It is in the mouth of madness too. Yeah, yeah.
0: These these are like a trilogy of fucked
1: up world. Well, it's videos. the it's the apocalypse trilogy. Yeah, it, it's a Carpenter's apocalypse trilogy and um, Prince of Darkness. Apocalypse. Apocalypse. Prince of Darkness. The thing that gets me about Prince of Darkness it is it's a totally trashy movie. I mean, there's nothing <laughs> slick about it. It's it's seriously, seriously really trashy. Uh, I mean, you you. Uh, there it's really kind of exploitation cinema and now, yet there's something there's something in it that just kind of worms into your subconscious um alice cooper's in it in a bit part <laughs> our special guest star is like i talked
0: about the movies i remember <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. yeah no, we, I, we've I, less we have left cds I, in the I, dust I, I acknowledge that like i i, I have a limited movie knowledge. I, eighty-seven was a decent year for me in terms of like fun films, particularly genre films. But yeah, they have kind of left me in the dust.
0: There is way. one more we need to touch on.
1: One more.
2: All right.
0: Another movie that happened in nineteen eighty-seven. This was a fucking banner year for movies.
2: It was.
1: Monster Squad. Monster Squad. Oh, Man, Scott. <gasps> <arts. gasps>
2: No, this is this is one that, that
0: this that, is the perfect blend of the classic Universal with the Goonies. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's just so great. I yeah. can't wait to show it to my kids.
2: This is a movie that, having never seen it, when Horror Show Hot Dog reviewed it, I had to go watch it because they 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 had so much fun with it. Um, I'm not generally a horror genre person, but I listened to the Horror Show Hot Dog podcast, and, and yeah, they they had so much fun with this one, and and they had so many like. Callback lines, and it just this is one of those things where if you catch it at the right age, it's just it it's perfect. It's magic, and and so so having watched it as an adult, you know I, I can't have that whole okay, okay I, I I feel like I missed out on an opportunity of had I watched this at the right time, it would just be that awesome movie for me. It's in, the way, magic. in the way that Goonies is. Yeah. The, the, this 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 is this is the horror version of Goonies, as you brought up, and yeah, it is a brilliant movie. I, I really Duncan wish
0: I would see it Duncan Rieger as, <laughs> as Dracula.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's pretty great.
0: Oh, yeah. And what I love is that this was... Okay, here's the thing, and I've mentioned it before, like, in regards to Point Break, is when you think back on these films, earlier films, you're like, oh, that was just an action film, oh, that was just a B film, blah, 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 blah. It was you know, it wasn't, like, great, but it was just enjoyable. And then you go watch them, It points out how many of our films now are so slick but lack depth.
1: Depth, yeah. mm -hmm. That
0: Point Break is ridiculous action and yet it could teach our current action films a fuckload. You go back and watch Monster Squad and there's this old scary man that everybody in the neighborhood is scared of at the scary house, the, the, the crazy German man. And then they go talk to him, and he's a Jewish survivor of Mm. World War II. And so much of what he has, and he's got gravitas, and the way that he helps the kids is so much more nuanced and complex than a movie like this, really, you would ever expect. That that this is what's missing, is that even in the B-level movies of the 80s, there were still these moments of complexity and true beauty. And now our A-list movies in you know the 2010s are so slick and produced that yeah, they're beautiful and they move quickly, but we're we're missing something.
2: Yeah. We're mm-hmm. missing
0: something human in these films. And you can I I can enjoy I can watch them and enjoy them, but even as I'm doing it, I'm like, well, this is just there's nothing happening here. Yeah. It it's nothing but popcorn
2: flakes now. And and yeah, there's there's not the depth that
0: And the eighties well, popcorn flakes still had a little bit of like
2: caramel
1: old film. Well I don't I don't think this is like a slip into darkness or anything like this. I know the, the the thing is is the pendulum swings back and forth. Yes. Right now, in the moment we are, the pendulum has Swung pretty much full fantastic because that's what we've been craving. That's what we've been paying money for. Well, the we're going because to because thanks start to Wall Street, the world is kind of shit. Yeah. Well, we're we're going to start craving more realism pretty soon, and then the entertainment will follow, and then we're going to get. In five, ten years, this huge swath of really serious, really deep, really realistic films. And not much on the sci-fi and fantasy end. And then we'll get tired of that. And then we'll swing back the other way. Yeah. And and you can see this happening. And I think at this point in the 80s, um, in the early 80s, you were getting that that recoil from the realism of the 70s and then this was the point you were starting to just starting a little bit to come back around
0: yeah but it still had some yeah it had some it had to some it. grit yeah and i and i missed that a little bit mm-hmm. i do all right so yeah. it's time for us to wrap this up and um hey cedius do you have a pleasure dome recommendation for this
2: oh week? good lord no 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 wait we could take a moment a to go sober cab sense. home, because I can, oh, um.
0: I know what I'm going to recommend.
2: All right, then go for it, Wendy.
0: All right, my Pleasure Dome recommendation this week is... The... <laughs> oh, boy. Niko Atsume. Oh, you're going to do that, are I you? I am actually going to recommend it. And so you need to grab a screen cap from my Facebook feed. This is a Japanese iPhone, well, it's actually for Android. You have to go through some hoops to get it on your iPhone. This is a game where literally it means cat collecting. And all you had just have this backyard. And <laughs> cats come and leave you little fishes as presents. And you use those fishes to buy more cat toys to put out so that more cats come. And all you do is sort of just open it up and look and see which cats are visiting you. Currently and be like, oh, look, these are the cats that are visiting me currently. So you
1: are allowed to be a crazy cat lady online. Yes. Ah.
0: And then there are rare cats that only come for specific items. And so there's like, ooh, I want to try to get the samurai cat. This has given me hours of ridiculous enjoyment for the last several weeks to the point where... Other people who are playing it, we are checking in with each other like, did you get this cat yet? I got this cat. What did you name that cat? Oh, I named that cat this. I went out to Seattle and told other people about this game and then they were playing it too. It's a game that requires no time investment, which is perfect for me. You just open it up and like for 10 seconds you check on it and then you close it and then... As you're sort of talking to somebody, you're like, just a second, I want to check on my cats. Oh, look, I got the samurai cat and you close it. So we'll put the links in the show notes so that you can find it for your iPhone or Android or whatever. It's kind of adorable and wonderful. <laughs> I'm, I can't help it. I love it. <laughs> so what else do we have for Pleasure Dome recommendations this week?
2: Oh, I'm I'm i just gonna make a stupid riff on Princess Brian and okay. I, I hope that everyone has that person in their life that when you are sick and need something that someone will come and and be that person for you to to do something to to cheer you up and, and to take you out of the misery that you're in when you're sick and, and sitting in bed and can't do anything and, and to, to take you out of that and, and to make life something that you want to get back to.
0: For me, that person makes me craft macaroni and cheese. <laughs> I'm sick who will make me crack
2: well, whatever that little thing is that that, that makes you happy ha- have someone be that person for you
0: yes that is a good very recommendation good. that's good a job. very good thing good job. nicely done
1: I, Melissa. I feel like this is a step down from that recommendation ah um, yes nicely put Everine.
2: <laughs> high five
1: well done. Well played, Wendy. Because I forgot to do that again. God damn it. <laughs> Callbacks. Callbacks.
0: Callbacks are your key to good literature. Bro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's flashbacks. What?
1: I am going to recommend a relatively small movie called Centurion. Mm. So I recently, as of this recording, hiked across England. As in I started on one coast and went to the other. Along the course of... Along the course of Hadrian's Wall. And... Because few, this is what you do when you're a Melissa. Because this is what I felt like doing. Um, I decided to conquer England like the Romans did. So anyway, so so I came back home and I was flipping through Netflix. and went, hey, there, there's this movie Centurion. It's on my queue for some reason. I don't know much about it. It's got Fassbender in it. Okay. Fassbender. Fassbender. Um, it is a movie about... Um, it, it is set in Roman England Okay. Uh, during the time that they're building Hadrian's Wall. And it's kind of this movie where there's this... It, it's about the Ninth Legion, if I remember the number right. It's the Ninth Legion that marches off beyond the borders of the Roman Empire, and they mysteriously disappear. Oh, that one! Yeah. So it's a movie based on that. Okay. Yeah. So... There's all this stuff in it that's pretty historically accurate in in how uh, the Romans fight and, uh, you know, the portrayal of the Legion and how things were set up in England. There are other things that aren't so true, like uh, stirrups. God damn God damn stirrups. Stirrups didn't happen. Uh, The problem is that modern
0: horsemen don't know how to ride without stirrups. So whenever they do anything with horses, they're like, well, I'm not going to fucking ride without stirrups. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, I mean, this is... Uh, and apparently, somewhat low-budget movie. But it's directed by the same guy who did Ghost Dog. Ooh. And so the the action stuff is pretty good. Um, the movie's a little uneven. But um, if you like history, if you like Roman stuff, it's kind of fun to watch. And it's uh, streaming on Netflix right now. We should wrap. Yes. Okay. So... Thank you for joining us in Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Thank you.
0: 1987 lives again. 1987
1: is amazing, isn't it? It really was. I really like it. So so, um, I'm sure this episode will run a little long.
2: Sorry about that. I have a habit of just making that happen.
1: And, you know. The scotch helped. This guy helped, yeah, we that, helped. That, mm. so I, helped. So maybe you ran across something you haven't seen before and that you can visit now. Or you Absolutely. forgot. Oh my God, 1987.
0: That was a great year. You yeah. should totally do like a, a triple feature one night at home.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just whatever you enjoy. So anyway, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I was Melissa and this was... Wendy. And we were joined by... Studius. And... Thank you very much for joining us, and have a lovely afternoon, evening, morning, whenever you're. Whenever listening you're listening to this. on the yeah. road, what on do? the road, jazz hands, yeah, yeah, yay. yay! Thank you. you. Bye bye. Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown, and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at XanaduCinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome.
0: I will Tashira Mafuti all over your ass. I was not
2: done with my context in that statement.
0: (laughs) I'm gonna grunt at you like Tashira Mafuti.